Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry, boy, look at the technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Desperately, that one of us will say something completely indiscreet. Totally not off the record. Yeah, the off the record bit. Yeah. Official intro. I hate Chelsea. (laughs) I've always despised them. Chelsea Brown. A a nouveau. She was on. She was on blankety blanks. Chelsea Brown. Brown. Chelsea Brown. I think of her. I think of Chelsea Buns when I think of Chelsea Brown. Yeah, I always think of. I don't. I don't want to go to Chelsea. Next to Dirty Dave Gray. Yes. Who's he? That would be Michael Lynch introducing a show based around motorsport with a comment about, about Tottenham beating Chelsea. So pleased. Soccer team <laughs> in England. We're off to a flying start there. A hot lap of Stamford Bridge. G'day viewers and welcome to episode 107B of Radio Hot Lap, that light-hearted and zany podcast that takes a look at motorsport, locally and international, cool emerging technologies, gardens... Gardens, gardens, gadgets, and barbecues. We had to do gardens. Oh, wait a minute. Adding so, a little bit. So where's A? A was, well, viewers, there was a bit of a screw-up the other night, and I, I, I am actually pleased to tell you that it was not a human action. The uh, mixing desk somehow failed because the start of the track was, thing, was there and then the end wasn't. And uh, it, I'm it not was, buying this. You stuffed up. It was a goodie. You just pressed uh, the wrong button. My guests tonight. I like how tonight, he said the start of it was. My <laughs> guests tonight, my interrupting guests tonight, are on my left. Uh, Chris from v8central.com. Which hey, is, John? viewers, is probably on your right, depending on where you're sitting in relation I'll, to your machine. I'll yeah, and it. that noisy person is the folks from uh, from uh, Auto Fix- Action <laughs> magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on my right is uh, Michael Lynch from The Age. Hello, Michael. Welcome. I'm, I'm very pleased. I'm actually standing at silly mid-off rather than on your <laughs> right. But yes, I'm from The Age and Fairfax Media. Well, so very pleased to be with you. Mate, it's great for you to come along. And here we are uh, on the final evening of Clipsal, the uh, wrap-up night, in fact, uh, on the parade at a lovely Thai restaurant called the parade Tell if, if you if you say it loud enough will you get free food absolutely as a, as a yeah. result of a plug the uh, the, the lovely hostess will uh, look after us could we order to start before everyone uh, gets into their main course a uh, a, a chicken laugh and uh, some boiled rice to go with that and just just one's good just because we'll just be a little bit of a taste and some cut chili and soy sauce sure. and if you could do that and yeah probably there uh, will chip, be chip, don't chip, worry chip rocks as in, there will be blood, there will and be drinks. And water. <laughs> but we're doing a radio show, so feel free to be involved. What's your name? Jordan. Jordan. Thank you. Hello, Jordan. As in the Formula One team. Jordan. Yeah, we'll be getting you on later. <laughs> the British supermodel. Sorry, what was the wine you're after? I Chip Chip super. Rocks. Yeah. I thought she was an underwear model. Mm. She certainly was super. And we're... Uh, eerily close, eerily close to the world headquarters of Radio <laughs> Hotline. An imposing edifice, I have to say. <laughs> You've enjoyed your sojourn. Oh, well, sojourn, it, the word you're searching no, for? No, I, I'm looking for unusual <laughs> no, adjectives. It's, it's subsidiary. 
Hotel Hot Lab has been a very fine establishment. <laughs> Not some as the, salubrious some one the, would have thought. No, some of the clientele leaves a bit to be desired <laughs> and some of the behaviour of some of the staff. But, you know, all in all, being free, pretty good deal, I reckon. Cool. Yeah. And, and considering that you told me you get paid by article and expenses are on your side, no wonder you're staying. And yeah, it's a well, pleasure to have you. And, don't uh, believe everything you hear. And also uh, to have you along, Michael, and we enjoyed a lovely dinner the other night with, uh, with Cole Hitchcock from uh, V8 Supercars, the media director, and uh, and my sister who just happened to fly Your into sister, town. sister, the at, loyally legal eagle. <laughs> at, at the outrageously appriced Amalfi. Uh, indeed, yes. Well, I'm, I'm staying at the almost uncertainly not as outpriced Mentra, I think it's called, in High Life Square. So. You know, it's, it's Radio Lynch. <laughs> All talk, all the time. <laughs> I need to throw his voice a little more stronger. No, 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 I can no. talk underwater. That's what Fogues is alluding to. Wet cement, no problem. Underwater speciality. Now, I know that you are dying to talk about VA supercars, but I'm sorry, that's not the focus initially because we've got to talk about what's been going on in sports car land. And uh, the SRO uh, has uh, released a million euros to be distributed amongst the teams. You might ask, how would that be fairly split? Well, that's a fair question. 600,000 euros will be split between 24 teams. For I would those, ask who cares. For those, for, those, for, those, for those 24 teams that do decide to do uh, complete the whole championship, they'll be receiving 25,000 euros at the end. The remaining money is split with $250,000 going to catering. Now, that's a good deal. The teams get free catering for the year in the FIA GT Championship and the remaining 150, the Michelin Challenge Award, goes to the best driver in GT3 who's interested in stepping up into FIA GT. He'll be getting 150,000 euros plus 40 sets of Michelin tyres. You had me at the free catering. I don't care about the rest. That's fine. (laughs) I was going to say, it must go to a driver with an interest in eating, clearly, because uh, why else would you have so much for catering? Well, they uh, they obviously do a lot of eating and not a lot of driving. Yeah. Probably. Well, it is Michelin. Is it a starred restaurant, a starred facility? Oh, that's a good point. That's mm. that's we need to send let the Stefan Rotella and, and ask I also him what think, the story is. There. I also that think you need to review it. If it is a starred Michelin facility somewhere in a spicy European capital, you probably need to go there <laughs> and review an it. Excellent point, <laughs> the viewers. So Hitchy's got right on the case there. Team and how many stars it rates. <laughs> Other interesting things that have been happening recently in uh, in sports car racing because we do like a bit of sports car racing was that uh, the other day. The opening round of the American Le Mans series was a big challenge between the new Audi R15 making its debut. Oh, Bunyip, how are you, mate? Hey, hi. All right, listen, uh, mate, we're doing a bit of a radio show, so where are you off to on your next holiday? A dirty holiday. Oh, Thailand always, mate. Pattaya. Always. That's where you'll be going. Oh, no, Phuket's much better. Phuket's much better. <laughs> um, Cleaner clumps of hooker there. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> New breed. Fair enough. Audi debuted their new R15 diesel race car there, but uh, they were picked for the pole by none other than Australia's Scott Dixon Ooh. in the Acura. Good <laughs> Acura O2B. Oh, mate. No. In the Acura. Chip, chip, rocks. It's my best, best, best thing. Is that anything like the Acura he was driving? Yes, sorry. Perhaps. I've never known how to pronounce that. Acura, Acura. Acura. It it is the Honda brand, is it not? It's their luxury brand. Like Lexus. Like Lexus is to But this being America, it would be called upscale, wouldn't it? Not luxury? Well, it wouldn't have a G in it. No, that's absolutely true. But you had a G in it. 
upscale. Luxury. Lug- oh, luxury. luxury. Yeah, yeah, luxury. Yeah, 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 luxury. What do you say? Luxury? Lux. Yeah. Luxury. It does no, happen no, to have an X in there. Lux is light. You mean Lux means light. Lux is sort of like Tahiti, James? Well, it Simon means, Tahiti. It means, it means light, Simon? doesn't it? Lux in no, Latin, no, no. as far as I know. The plane. Simon? Mm. Tahiti? Yeah. What are you on about? <laughs> it's gone straight through to the key. Has it has been a long four days, hasn't it? No, it's like, what, what did that lady who, who uh, Faye Dunaway, when I was a Faye Dunaway, she was married to, but she died at sea. She went out for a swim. Oh, Natalie Wood. Natalie, Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. She, Nat- and she loved to make her face beautiful. Robert beautiful. Beautiful. Right. beautiful. But, but that, always, yeah. um, that always prompted a joke about what wood don't float. Natalie. Very cool <laughs> playground joke, that one. Carbon dates you, if you remember that. <laughs> Which is a bit like, you know, um, Oh, Come on, the suspense is killing me. The breathless report, yeah, yeah, okay, the so latest the sports car update. Yeah, We're okay. hanging on. Well, well, I'm We're telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. All right, okay. So, well, uh, so the Acura got pole, driven by Australian-born New Zealander Scott Dixon. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, the race was won, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, by uh, Alan McNish, Dindo Capello, and uh, good old uh, Tommy Christensen. Alan McNish, mm-hmm. the Scottish-born midget. That ninth <laughs> place, eighth place, ninth place went to. Uh, Pierre Kaffer in the Risi Competizione GT2 with uh, David Brabham, the other Acura team uh, that Paulie Acura. Ryan. Oh, I don't know. I can't get it so accurate. Acura. Uh, Paulie Ryan is running uh, out of uh, for Highcroft Patron uh, in 15. So uh, 302 laps versus 360. So a bit of a, a bit of a drama over there. But um, interesting start to the year. Very difficult track. Uh, very bumpy and um, a lot of bogans. Um, well, that R15 looks like one serious piece of kit. It's a nasty-looking weapon, but it's very effective. So I think Peugeot are going to be up against it at Le Mans on the basis of uh, this performance, don't you think? I would think so, that perhaps the petrol uh, um, racers have thought that the uh, the diesel guys would be resting on their laurels somewhat or that the gap would have been so much greater that they could have closed it and uh, of course uh, having had a conversation yourself with David Richards yesterday who's feeling the first LMP1 petrol car because he feels there is a parity there at Le Mans 24 hour and you'll be coming a long way here to enjoy caviar at a higher level that possibly I would be having. Right, I'll be yeah. having yeah. Diaz optimistic and he's positive but he's realistic it's going to be a, a tough act to compete against the diesel-powered Audi and the, the, the Peugeots, because despite the adjustments, it's still the odds are stacked against a, uh, a petrol fuel car. But they're going to give it um, their best British shot with the uh, Lola Aston Martin. And uh, I think he thinks that if they put up a respectable showing and that they finish, you know, in amongst the Audis and the Peugeots, assuming they run like clockwork, um, he'll be happy. And the main reason. Aston Martin is back at Le Mans, of course, this year as it's the 50th anniversary, it will be the 50th anniversary of Aston Martin's victory in 1959, so it's an important um, date in history for them to celebrate and that's why David Richards, who uh, is the, uh, well I guess he's uh, chairman of Aston Martin, is probably the best way to describe it. um, Well he and his uh, Middle Eastern consortium have purchased the brand. So no it's a very exciting event that the car is has a very emotive look with its um, classic golf oils livery with the uh, powder blue and orange with the big orange stripe. So it'll certainly 
it'll evoke a lot of um, you know memories of the different Steve brand McQueen. but yeah Steve McQueen Le Mans movie the golf Porsches and all that so it's a classic look so I think it's, it's going to be very exciting and you never know it's not the they first may. time that uh, David Richards has taken an Aston Martin to Le Mans in the golf colours in fact the year before last beautiful cars that, yep. uh, that David Brabham was in uh, who uh, managed to uh, last year bring the uh, the Aston Martin Jetty one home for the, for victory one would say would, one would say well um, why isn't David in, in the car well, why isn't he, David in the car? Why isn't David in the LMP, LMP1 car? Mm. Because uh, Dave, Mr. Richards was a little bit too slow on the phone because uh, he got the, the, the call from the guys at Peugeot asking them, asking him would he would join that uh, team there, which is, in fact, all drivers a Formula One liner or mm. ex-Formula yeah. One liner. Be careful of that. Um, that's uh, a very nasty source. It, uh, here you go, folks. Very nasty. You're talking to a bloke who grew up in London where Rogan Josh is now the national dish. Where <laughs> Vindaloo is half of the course. Well, we don't care about our mouths being burned because we're old. We could only wish. We're well old. <laughs> You're getting a little bit interested in sports cars, aren't you, folks? You're getting a little bit. I will categorically <laughs> vehemently <laughs> deny that accusation. But you are. You are. You sat and watched Le Mans with me one day. <laughs> that was the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone watches that. Well, no, my point entirely, you're getting interested. Sports ca- I'm not getting interested, in fact, actually. I've you been, are a, I've, just a tiny little bit of interest. I've always been interested in sports cars. But sports cars have been through, you know, a very... Over a, over, no, over a very rocky road over probably the last 20 years. You know, it's been... They've never locked on to one stable formula. They've chopped and changed. They're, well, they've got more manufacturers yeah. support than most of the other categories. No, yeah. But anyway, they've, they've... They, you know... The Le Mans series and the American Le Mans series, you know, have created some sort of unity. What about him? Does he get and... I think it's going to be very exciting and it's getting it's interesting that you have Peugeot and Audi competing against each other seriously so yeah no but you know I my interest in sports cars was you know bred in the late 60s and early 70s when arguably um, world sports car racing was much bigger than Formula One back in those days the classic you know Porsche versus Ford versus Ferrari battles um, at Le Mans and the World Sports Car Championship um, attracted a lot more attention than those days than Formula One. And, uh, so I have an intrinsic interest in sports cars and as you were saying, the diversity of makes that have come into sports car racing both in you know, prototypes and GT class in recent years um, makes it a lot more interesting now, particularly when you know I've become used to a staple diet of a, you know, of a two-brand hegemony here in Australia in... Uh, V8 supercars. Do you think it'll ever get big again though, sports cars? Will the global financial crisis mean that all these budgets are cut and the Formula Ones in this lot will just collapse and you'll get a a return to privateer sports racing? Look mate, it's going to be fine. It's all about economy of scale. And in Europe, there's lots of old money and there's a lot of heritage with unique individual brands, like the Mosler and and the little little, tiny little, little manufacturers that may not be extremely successful and bespoke, out we call them in tailoring bespoke, yes mm. quite good word good word if you're playing Scrabble for the time being however and I think it's it's, it's one of the things I can't <coughs> see them being on sale that's held back 
that's held back sports car racing for at least 20 years is that the FIA and certainly Bernie Eccleston will not let sports car racing or any other form of motorsport grow beyond a certain level because they see it as a threat to Formula One. Quite rightly so, as in but, Alain Prost had said at the Paul Ricard high-tech test track, uh, Le Mans series test, only the weekend before last, um, where he, uh, his, um, his son Nicholas was in, uh, in one of the LMP1 cars. He felt it was an excellent ride for him moving forward to his next category that he would like to do and felt that the whole platform was good and it had a lot of manufacturing support and, uh, and branding support. So, so that's interesting to hear him say that. Um, David Richards, on the other hand, wasn't listening very carefully to that because he was uh, 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 sort of cringing after Thomas Engie had uh, made a mistake and completely destroyed one of the, the first LMP1 mm. cars that had rolled off the line there. To, to Engie's credit, he admitted that he wasn't smoking dope and that we just made a mistake. <laughs> he did make a mess of it though, didn't he? So anyway, that's good John, thanks for the update. Moving right along, anything else we want to talk about that might interest someone? Okay, what about the 500? What about it? Boring as today, wasn't it? The whole weekend was boring. No, Saturday was okay, but Sunday, a bit of a snore fest I felt. Got a bit exciting towards the end when it looked like Will Davidson had a shot at chasing down Jamie Wincup and Craig Lowndes was uh, right on Garth Tander's tail. It didn't turn out that way, but um, you know, I thought that was had the opportunity to be exciting and there was a bit of tension there while it was happening. The rest of the race, yes, was quite dull. Yesterday was eventful at least. But yeah. the whole the whole Eclipse of five hundred festival has gone off beautifully again, I've got to say. The crowds are down a bit, not much like oh, thousand today was the reported figure. That's pretty good. Yeah, but in it's the down. kind of economic climate yeah, yeah. we're in now. No, no, I'm saying if I'd been allowed to finish what I was trying to say. Well, of course you're not going to be allowed <laughs> yeah, to finish not what when, you're trying to yeah, say. Not when you're around, no, that's quite never, true. Never. Oh, never. <laughs> you, you ever seen the odd couple? I said you here it is. In the audio version of the, we of the odd couple. But um, yeah, crowds give or take it down around seven eight percent and in the current climate that's that's really good and unlike the Australian Grand Prix next weekend um, corporate sales haven't taken the big hit in fact someone suggested to me today that um, catering revenue um, was up significantly over the four days so that's pretty encouraging but I'm not surprised because you know as a big event goes and as as a, a motor race event for uh, normal people to be able to go and enjoy themselves, um, this this event is very good value. Uh, unlike the Australian Grand Prix, which is rapidly pricing itself out of existence, as far as you know, normal punters are concerned, and in the current economic environment, what they what they've been trying to charge for, um, you know, corporate hospitality and corporate grandstand seats is just too rich, and that's why. Um, their corporate sales are way, way down. They've cut back the size and the number of the grandstands around the track. The number of corporate hospitality suites is way down. It's looking very grim, I'm afraid. The Grand Prix next uh, next weekend is going to suffer a an even bigger loss over the previous years, and that's worrying for the event's future, not only in Melbourne, but in Australia. It would be remiss of me, folks, to ask what you're having a drink of tonight. It would be remiss of you, and I really don't have any clue, so I'll have to pick up the bottle and look at it. Yes, did you choose this? 
it was uh, Hello, it was a substitute for the Jip Jip Rocks, which we ordered. Oh, but oh, uh, indeed, a shield of state. Shield of state. Barossa Shiraz. Not too bad. Shiraz. He's on the phone. You're not allowed to be on the phone. on the show. No. Away with you. In, in your, in, under the under that under that, that thing there. Yeah, see, that's where the dog that's goes. What happens when you bring on unruly, not to well, I didn't mention bring uninvited on. guests? Are you not, do you not like that? Uh, if I want to burn my whole intestines out, yeah. Well, I didn't tell you to put any of that hot stuff. I in. didn't. It's hot as it no, is. No, it's not. Is it's, it? it's well, I got no something hot. No, I'm it's a, not. All right, so I'm a big girl's blouse. All right. <laughs> Viewers. It's chicken lark. No, that would be a lark means at the absolute. Well, yeah. It's just shredded so chicken. Lark means it, 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 it's no hate. It's sort of like chanko bit. Centro bow without the centro bow. Without the same. But it was an interesting start to the V8 Supercar Championship. Again, clearly you could see which teams are prepared and have got their uh, game face on from the start and uh, which teams haven't. And the team that hasn't missed a beat and has continued to roll on as the you know, most complete V8 supercar team package is uh, Team Vodafone. And, and and not just on the track, their off-track uh, communications and their marketing, it's just, it's really quite yeah. clever, isn't it? But it's just, it really is very well thought after. And I would imagine that uh, just, just from the demeanor of Roland Dane, it can only be pushed down from the leader out to this very mm. thorough thinking and, and, and delivery process. He, he, he was running a tight ship, He's fair and goes gives everyone his leeway to do your best. Well, he also he's very big on presentation, and it is an extraordinarily well presented team, and um, he puts great store in how everything looks and how everything operates, but not to the distraction of the performance of the team. It is the benchmark team in V8 supercars at the moment. There's no doubt about that. Um, Jamie Wincup won both rounds, and also obviously became the uh, you know. Clipsal 500 champion by winning the second second round. Guys just get complicated, but he retains his trophy. Each race now is an individual round. No, no, it's not a perpetual trophy, but he's the defending champion. Remember, in previous years, the winner of the second race was always declared the Clipsal 500 champion. The winner of the trophy, regardless of of how he finished in the overall. Round score on points, so you could often have the Clipsal 500 winner scoring fewer round points over the two races, but still winning the title because he won the second race. That's done so they have a simple, you know, um, publicity gambit, if you like, in, in that on Monday morning, you know, there's no dispute. It's you know, who wins the second race was declared the winner of the Clipsal 500. So you have a race winner winning the trophy. Um, and that's still now, even though each round is individual, as far as the championship is concerned, your eyes are glazing over, but deal with it. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but the winner of the second round on the, the weekend, the second race, which is the second round on the weekend, it's being split into 250-kilometre two, two, races. The winner of the second round on the weekend is declared the Clipsville 500 champion. In this case, it didn't matter because the Wind Cup won them both won them both well but the interesting thing was that um, while Triple Eight is strong HRT has clearly lifted its game considerably over the end of last season because you know Tanda was in there um, contending 
but most not most surprisingly, but most interestingly, is Will Davison, the new recruit, in replacing the old hero, the living legend, Mark Scaife. So he's had to fill the biggest boots going, and he's jumped in, and he's been fast right from the get-go. In fact, you could argue he was two corners away from winning pole position. He made an error and uh, suffered the consequences in qualifying. But two strong race performances means that, um, well, if we still had the overall scheme, he would he would have ended up second overall. But a very strong de- debut for Will Davison. So yes, and he very, will very good. and and he will put a lot of pressure on Garth Tander during the year. So they'll push they'll both push themselves. And HRT I think is finally showing some glimpses after some. Almost several years now of not being there, you know, the former all-conquering all holes team they were. They now look like getting back to being what they were, and that they will be the main, uh, indisputably, the main Holden team. One would have to think that Mark Scaife would be thinking to himself a little bit quietly tonight as he's sitting down having a, a red wine over dinner. Um, shit, I um, maybe I wasn't that good for. You know, in, in a not. I, I, I doubt if Mark Scaife would ever be thinking I was. Oh, I wasn't that good. But in fact, I can reveal exclusively. Exclusively, yes. here, viewers on Radio Hot One Hundred Seven B. Yes, that. No, I spoke to him just before we came out, and uh, just to get his review of the weekend. And um, he's pretty, at this stage, comfortable. You know, he had some a few pangs about not being behind the wheel for the first race of the season and you know as he said you know you never get it out of your system but he's pretty happy pretty comfortable the idea that he's now doing the commentary gig and that's a challenge for him and i got to say from what i heard this weekend he did an excellent job he, he added you know um an ex you know he, he added the interpretation of what was going on from a you know only recently retired driver who's you know still very com- very close to uh, to what's happening and his calls on a number of incidents was spot on um, I, I found him fascinating but I'm not surprised because I heard him do it last year um, at the Winton round you know after he was knocked out early and you know the fact that he's doing commentary was it, it was natural and if he hadn't been doing it it would have been a real loss to the series I think you know as you know in the past I've had my uh, run-ins with Mark and my criticisms but on the on you know don't limit it on, to Mark. On this, <laughs> on this one, Scaifey has made a you know a, a very impressive debut, and he's uh, adding a lot of extra value um, to the Channel Seven commentary, which it, which it sorely needed. It really did. What did you think, Chris? Oh no, I didn't get to see the um, the teams points at the end of the weekend, but I'd be interested to see what the difference was between HRT and Triple Eight. Did you see that at all? I didn't. Because I reckon it'd be fairly close, or maybe HRT is going to be slightly. Right, and what's yeah. that got to do with Scaife's commentary? Nothing. I was just putting it in there. Okay. Did you? <laughs> this is why we don't well, talk well, to him very much. At, at the track, <laughs> you don't get to see following. the TV. So, don't you? Know, you? The on-track commentary. Well, I didn't get to see. I, I saw the TV, but I was listening to the on-track oh, okay. commentary. So, I'm maybe sorry. More, I'd be more interested in the Paul Marinelli, Chris Gill comparison. But from what I saw on V8 Central, people were very sort of um, polar about what Scaife or how Scaife treated the weekend was the other some some obviously say he's really good and they're more of the Scaife yeah. fans saying he'll actually he'll always be good at something yeah but they're just a mob of malcontents anyway oh, oh that reminds me ah oh, yes 
<laughs> All my fans no, 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 that on was, V8 that said was Phil. Also not. We're actually talking about space Have you got commentary. fans? Have yeah, you apparently, got, is, there a, is, there a, is there a thread a, about apparently, apparently, kill folks? I'm apparently, I'm, <laughs> I think there was. I think it was several months ago. But I'm anyway. apparently big in the cellar. We're going to order. Okay, we're going to oh, pause while we're ordering, or are you just going no, to order? No, we're going to keep ordering. Why would I pause? Oh, I haven't ever. Let's pause. Are we ordering? An intermission. Because then we can use that catchy little intermission tune. We like that. And I haven't even looked at the menu. Is he messing with the pod? No, don't miss me. Do you want me to do a little jingle? Okay, okay, viewers. We'll be pausing for a moment and then coming back soon. Da, 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 da. We're back oh, we're for back. the second part of uh, 107B Radio. Oh, that's that live on the podcast that takes a look at stuff and GTs. GTs mainly, so if you're not into GTs, just turn off oh, now shut and up, go folks. home. You know. He's such a. We, did we haven't even got to the gadgets and the barbecues. The only interesting bit, we're not even there yet. By the time we get there, the Australian Grand Prix will have been run and won. Have we dispensed with the Clipsal already? No, we're still holding the Clipsal. The Clipsal. Now, where does that come from? The Clipsal. In our newspaper, where we don't like to acknowledge sponsors, we call it the Adelaide 500. But it's the Adelaide Sensational 500, which was here in 1999, and this is the 10th year of the the Clipsal. Of Clipsal, yes. (coughs) Interesting. Which sounds like a sort of sexual age. It'd be the 11th year, actually, wouldn't it? Not of the clips of the clips. Oh, of the clips, but of the Adelaide 500. Is, <laughs> tell me what is a clips? Well, clips is a PowerPoint manufacturer. I thought he sounded like a sex toy. Well, for those who have minds like yours, uh, <laughs> Mr. Lynch, then uh, one can only uh, surmise that uh, you're um, clip thinking in other areas. Clipsal is following actually, a it's actually interesting. <laughs> Clipsal is everywhere. Moving elsewhere. I've been in hotels. Like yourself, my good friend. Yeah. <laughs> quite. I've been in quite hotels <laughs> overseas, and much to my amazement, the um, light switches and other careful electronic bits. <laughs> Um, it's a drive-through penalty. All oh, right, electric vehicle, car of the future. They're just Hybrid. wandering up the. Uh, it was a little bit faster than the uh, Mitsubishi the side uh, of the ears. Yeah, we will now get we will now get lots of criticisms from human rights groups because we made fun of someone wandering up the sidewalk in one of those little electric vehicles, which in the UK, Michael, isn't it funny? It's so funny, they go around with you know orange flags on big sticks on the back of them so that you can see them. Don't you worry, they're them. around here too, are inside they? the chemist shop. <laughs> yeah. no, uh, and I'm certainly having a look at a magazine. No offence, mate. We're, we're not um, and President Obama. There's a beep, so beep, So they did actually beep. find a use for the Sinclair C5. Mm. <laughs> That's what happened. That is what happened. Eventually, I mean, that was yeah. going to be the future of personal transport, wasn't it? Bald, bearded men in single-seater vehicles. Yes. What happens? You... I would have you, fitted you in perfectly. perfectly yeah. Oh, I've had a shave now, though. I'm, I'm actually shaven. looking forward to growing old because you get to run around in one of those zippy little battery-powered carts and create mayhem on the <laughs> sidewalk. I think it's fantastic. I'd hot, them up. I'd hot mine up. I'd get lithium-ion batteries supercharged <laughs> and go rocketing around the and place. It's not often that you You've got that look on your face as what is going on here. It's not often you have four-day events in uh, motorsport events in Australia followed directly by another four-day event. But yes, again, as in 2006, we are going straight from Clips of 500 to uh, the Australian Grand Prix. And, you know, for heaven's, are we? Are you for coming he- over? For heaven's sake. Are you coming over? For He's otherwise sake, occupied. This has got to be the smallest oh. amount of damage you've seen. <laughs> This is going to be the smallest amount of damage we have seen at Eclipse of 500 event. Yes. 
and, and, and the, the teams have always been battling with the new turn, well, mind you, we didn't talk about the turn eight reprofile. I was just about to. Um, and, and, and I suppose we also say, uh, also talk about just slightly the exceedingly, exceedingly, not exceedingly, but uh, poor, exceedingly. exceedingly dismal performance on a uh, on a mental point of view of uh, James Courtney of this weekend. They didn't really think a lot and uh, managed to you know tear more Jim Beam stickers up his car than uh, most people got to drink. He did seem to be a bit impetuous and. James Courtney, impetuous. <laughs> impetuous, even. That's what yes. I said. No, you said impetuous. Uh, I didn't mean to. Anyway, he was <laughs> Wouldn't have made a bit impetuous. <laughs> and he still seems to be relying far too much on his consummate skill. He's possibly the most innately skilled driver out there, but um, a little more thinking and a little less seat of the pants driving would probably. Um, help because Is he a bit angry? his he? crash in the um, in warm the warm up, which created havoc for the race and all these problems, was a direct result ultimately of you know him smacking the wall or brushing the wall at least at turn eight in the first race, which he does. No, in the warm up, he brushed it but beforehand. And he did in the yeah, first race. He he, well, he just brushed it then, yeah, and, and it, asserting know, his authority. Yeah. He just runs on the edge too much. I mean, it's brilliant to watch, but you know it has some consequences. So. He did that again this morning in the morning warm-up and that's what caused him to go off at turn three, three and smack the wall there. So, I mean, he's got all the skill in the world. Um, I just think he needs to slow it down a bit, think it through a bit more um, because a good result was on for him here this weekend. It's one of his favourite tracks. Is he one of those people who has kind of only got two speeds, flat out or dead slow, that if he doesn't perform in the way which we've seen him perform, you, you don't get the good James Courtney and you have to accept you get the good James Courtney and the bad James Courtney. You may be correct because he's very much races with the European mentality soon. Which Harder is, to drive at a lower speed, at 95% of it is at 100. Yeah, he doesn't really understand the concept or hasn't really understood the concept of some time, you know, backing it off a bit. Um, he did last year actually, after he got a complete bollocking from his manager, Alan Gow, uh, Alan Gow after, you know, Running everything, bashing everything from pillar to post, you know, One at, year at to this day. and the, then the Australian Grand Prix, and he was read the riot act by his manager, Alan Gow, who also runs the British Touring Car Championship, um, and he settled down then, and for the rest of the series, he was a little saint, and he ended up having a very impressive finishing record of I think 26 of 28, 34 of 38 races, so, so he can first, do it. First race win at Queensland. Yes, but you know, a bit of a rush of the blood blood to the head and um, you know big expectations with um, Dick Johnson racing but you know I'm not entirely convinced that this weekend was indicative Um, I just think circumstances you know contrive you know with his impetuousness um, for things to go completely awry but you know we haven't seen the best of James Courtney by far and we will and once he and the team get it all together and when he's given a genuine winning proposition in terms of his car. I suspect that even the likes of Jamie Wincup, who is at the peak of his powers at the moment, as evidence this weekend, we won't see which way he went. I mean, you know, when he's on it, he has the ability just to be awesome. And I think that combination will come together. But, you know, the fact remains that at the moment, Dick Johnson Racing is nowhere near the level of Triple Eight or even HRT. So while they're further up the pecking order now. 
and they've got you know a gun driver in their lead car you know they've still got a way to go to maximize the triple eight built chassis that they have and their own engines which are among the best so the elements i think of the package are all there for a regular race winning combination but it all just has to come together and they're off to a bad start they're not the only ones ford performance racing an abysmal and absolutely abysmal performance this weekend both in terms of their lack of absolute front running speed maybe in qualifying they had the speed but in in racing they clearly did not have the speed of hrt and triple a but again once again tactically and strategically i'm sorry that team is bankrupt they really have to go back to the drawing board and work out what they're thinking like in the first round of the weekend Winterbottom they put him on um, at the tyre and stop and fuel stop they only changed two tyres rather than all four only one to do it and it severely compromised him and it set off a chain reaction events which led to him being stuck just in front of uh, Shane Van Gisbergen who served him up big time smacked him out of the race it's all over um, and Can the, the, thinking, the thinking in that team sometimes um, just amazes me because it's a bunch of thorough professionals and very bright people, but for some reason, the last couple of years, it just hasn't all been coming together. Are they the right people, or are they the same people every year? Uh, I don't know. It's, I guess it gets it could get back to that question. You might argue, of, you know, what do you want? A team of champions or a champion team? I and think that, you that's be the question. Team, well, of course you? you do. You, of course you do. But they, you know, it's a bunch of gifted individuals that's, you know, sometimes clearly not working Can together, and they're just not gelling properly. Given the situation here, where Frosty has scored not many points, and Winkup has had a perfect weekend, podium, uh, sorry, pole, two race wins, three hundred points, doesn't get any better. Can Frosty actually win the championship? Is his season? virtually over he's second the best he can hope for given the points lead he's now giving away to uh, win cup right from flagpole not on the basis of just this weekend um, because you can recover win cup missed around last year at Hamilton when he crashed in qualifying that was the end of it and, and, and came back so yes you can come back you know it's only the start of the season I think what's more worrying is their ability to have front running speed in race conditions for the whole series and to get those very important, increasingly important strategic decisions right. You know, on Why sheer speed, on sheer speed, yeah, Frosty is, is up there. He's maybe not quite, but almost a match for Jamie Wincup and Garth Tander and maybe Will Davidson. But, you know, the team's got to be behind him and that's been the weak link. Why are they making these strategic errors? They have Tim Edwards, a man with lots of Formula One experience, the highest level you can get, Phil mm-hmm. Keed, mm-hmm. who's uh, engineered Subaru World Rally Team stuff. Um, I mean, we're talking about people with remarkable kind of provenance here, aren't we? So why do you think they're getting it wrong? It's a very good question. Some of the dummy. I don't think there's any, any easy answer, um, but it appears that, you know, when Someone the punch is on and when a decision needs to be made quickly, there's a very clear suggestion that they're not thinking fast enough on their feet and they're, they're maybe either doing it a bit too much by committee or it's down to one person and that one person is just not thinking quickly enough. 
it's e you know it's easy to criticize really easy to criticize particularly in hindsight but their track record now is developing a theme that suggests there is clearly a problem and similarly we see triple a having developed a track yeah. record over several yeah. seasons of excellence yeah. uh, best yeah. in practice where uh, they don't make mistakes things don't happen to them do and they? that i think comes from the strength of roland dane as a character who drives the team from a top down whilst giving them tries to provide a flat hierarchy for people to communicate sets some very strong standards and i think um from the people that i know within the being involved with the fbr organization i think that they're a very let's say more bureaucratic enterprise than uh, what you have at AAA. roland dane is decisive he makes the decisions quickly and takes full responsibility for them there's no discuss you know drawn out discussion about what's going on it's just here it is and they but they have various scenarios drawn up beforehand and they've just become very good at it it's you know it's a class outfit who and you know success builds confidence confidence builds upon itself um so until you know sometime and invariably it happened invariably it will happen you know one of those you know big call calls is 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 wrong and may upset their confidence you know they'll just roll on it, it almost looks a little bit like Craig Lance Jack is actually struggling against uh, Jamie in outright speed clearly yeah most of last year but he well. yeah but he's, he's fitter and sharper and faster than he was last year you know I mean he's not far off and he was giving uh, Tanda heaps of grief in the second round I mean he was right on his tail and he has a new fitness regime now um, he's out doing a lot of dirt Certainly bike riding to improve his qualifying performance, which clearly he did. That was never, by his own admission, qualifying has never been Craig Lowndes' strength. Um, Nor his starting performance this weekend, muffing both starts. Oh, no. Well, this, well he no, 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 Wincup muffed the first start. Yes, so that's one all. And Lowndes muffed the second start. And at the moment, they're saying it's because the resurfaced um, start line straight has a lot more grip than before and that they're having trouble getting used to it i don't buy that completely because in the first race maybe but you think someone would have like like had a bit of a practice start sneakily somewhere Um, but clearly you know (laughs) clearly there is some issue can i just ask though at this juncture we're talking about clipsal clipsal is a unique race as is bathurst should we really read too much into the form guide of, of what we see in race one of the season where the track presents unique challenges, the conditions are generally hotter than everywhere else, teams are betting in new combinations. I mean, should we rush to get too carried away and anoint, as one journalist in the press room did at 4.15 on Saturday, uh, and said, Wink Up's the champion? End of story. Are we all going the early crow a little bit here? Absolutely. No, I wasn't there, but that's just ridiculous. That wasn't me, by the way, <laughs> as journalist. <laughs> That, that is a silly comment to say. It's just, just what is he got? It's, it's just like pulling one, one card out of the hat, going, oh, I hope I'm the right, it's the right card at the end of the year, but what do you want? Like a pat on the back for it? It's not an indicative form, form guide for the whole season, except clearly Triple Eight and HRT are the two best prepared teams and almost certainly will be the two teams fighting it out. Below that is where you can't take clips of as a guide because we've seen it year after year teams that you never hear from 
again for the rest of the season or rarely have a strong start because of the unique nature, as Michael said, to this event. So I wouldn't read too much into some of the surprising performances. Where is the next championship round? Uh, the next weekend we go to uh, Australian Grand Prix. Hamilton. and then not a championship to... round, though. No, no, no not, it's not. So perhaps the, perhaps the energy levels will be slightly different after a non-championship round. It's an exhibition. John, a, really, it will say nothing because it's, it's an exhibition. Cares. It's the manufacturer's challenge. They line the cars up, you know, according to makes, one side on the left, one side on the right, depending on who wins pole position. And even so, it's going to look pretty funny because there's so many more Commodores in the field now than there are Falcons. I don't know how they're going to even that up. So it's a break. Everyone's in a rush to get back to Melbourne, fix their damaged cars, which this year, as you pointed out much earlier in this, is a lot lower. And I think part of that is because of the format, each race being a self-contained individual round, and also because the reprofiling of Turn 8, while certainly not perfect, and hasn't fixed the whole problem. There were did far. It fix, did it fix any problem? Well, there were far fewer big shunts and car wrecking shunts. You know, there were a few. So it's had. I think it's a step forward. Whether it's the whole answer, clearly not. And most of the drivers will tell you it's not. It's not the big fix and created some sort of different problems on its own. But generally speaking, you've got to say that you know, no, well, you know, only a, a couple of cars were badly damaged or wrecked. Because it, and no one was hurt, which I think is more well, I don't the think point. There were really very few cars were actually. In fact, no one. There was no real write-offs there. No. In fact, the entire event, the only write-off from the weekend was Grant Johnson in the VAU Championship mm. in uh, Turn Eight. Uh, well, Caruso had a fair so, way uh, on Saturday. Johnson didn't he? In turn eight, though. He did crash in yeah. Turn so, Eight, but you're right. So John Johnson crashed in Turn it's, Eight. It's, it's significantly it less than it previously. He's in hospital overnight. Yes, but it, it's not the carnage that we've become used to. And, and, that, and that's clever. That's, that's clever. And everyone else obviously has been on their mind. Now, but there's room for improvement. Turn 8 you know, can be made even safer without significantly detracting from the challenge. Because let's face it, in its current or previous form, it's one of the great turns, exciting turns in Australian motorsport. Because it really needs big cojones to get through that corner fast, and much not more getting so than, much more so than the, the Celtics chase. Um, yes. in the only corner I would suggest that it resembles to me was the uh, end of the straight at Surface Paradise when that was running because uh, it often, in, especially with the old Surface Paradise International Raceway, the, right, yes. the big sweeping right hander, whilst yeah. it had a lot of run runoff area, was uh, compromised by the VHT, which was left by the drag races there, and it would be very, very much of a situation. Can it's I just a, ask a, a question? Turn. You talk about turn eight in Adelaide being perhaps the best turn in Australian motorsport. One of. One of. Where does it fit in world motorsport? Nowhere, absolutely nowhere, or is it a straight circuit? Nowhere at all. Nowhere. Fair enough. It's not well, remember, the, remember the world doesn't know about us. <laughs> no. Which is a good secret. Uh, when you've got a track that you can only race on for three days of the whole year, it doesn't rate at all. That's a big question. I, I would suggest that in international touring car racing it's one of the most courageous corners going but in in, in the greatest scheme of all tracks and series around the world it's not a, it's no, not a smart it's, corner it's, it's up there yeah. nowhere to hide if it goes wrong yeah. yeah but it's you know drivers to get through there particularly in the past had to take a very deep breath and get everything right because if you're slightly offline as we saw so many times 
um, you smack the wall and the consequences of that, you know, are very, very serious. But Pretty deadly on a street circuit. I'd say they're yeah. more than uh, pretty serious, folks. I think they're pretty catastrophic, as mm. we've seen here on numerous occasions, right from Bradley so Jones doing his spinning top impersonation down. So the problem is on a, on a permanent track, you'd actually design that corner with huge sand traps, runoff, everything, you know, no concrete, six millimetres away from the racing yeah. line. On a street circuit, you've got to reprofile that corner to make it a lot safer than what it was last well, year. Like and still a lot safer than what it was this year because you still get cars written off. It wasn't a V8 supercar, but you still get cars written off and people in hospital for one corner on the track. It's ridiculous. But if it had all the runoff, it, it, it would wouldn't be a shadow of itself, and it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be any challenge. You know, motor racing. Why does it need to be a challenge? Because it's, it's, motor it's racing, killing people it, and and or, or hurting people. Yeah. Well, it is, has. Is there, yes, a, I'm is there a need though in motor racing for us to have heroes, to have gladiators? To have the aces, to have the people who take the risks and who take those chances that you wouldn't, I wouldn't. But, but every driver's going to take that chance, yeah, because every driver wants to win the race or get ahead of the guy in front of him. They're all, they're, they're always going to roll the dice, and they're always going to go on the side of, I'm going to take the chance. But regardless of the morals or the ethics yeah. of what you're discussing, the fact remains is, if turn eight were modelled on, or based on the model that you would put in a permanent circuit, it would be a nothing corner. If it had runoffs and all that sort of stuff, it would, you know, no one would blink. Yeah, it'd so, be, um, it'd you be know, the same corner, it would just be a lot safer when you get it wrong. No, it wouldn't be. Yes, it would, but it wouldn't It be. would be safer, but it, would, be, it would be wrong. Safer. but it wouldn't <laughs> be the big challenge. Because it's safer, you know, it would be just flat through them almost. Because of the nature of its layout now, it, it, it's, you know, you really have to, you know, take hold of yourself and will yourself through that corner and get it right because the consequences of not doing so are potentially catastrophic. It changes, you may not change the profile of the corner but you change the very nature of it by what surrounds it. Because it's hemmed in by concrete walls, it becomes a huge challenge and it's, it's given that respect of that. If it were an open layer on a permanent circuit, guys wouldn't blink because if they made a mistake, they just spin off into the runoff area and you would you'd hear no more about it. Do you, 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 you understand what I mean? I, it's not, I, I, you know, look, I'm, same I'm, corner, different environment, changes the whole approach. I understand perfectly what you mean, but after the Dale Wood crash on Friday, there's now all the drivers are starting to say, what about Homebush, what about Townsville? We need to be a lot more cautious yeah. and um, you know, put a lot more concentration into how these corners work and how they don't work when there's a problem. And they will, but because Townsville and Homebush particularly are being designed with new techniques, yeah, they're much more modern circuits. Don't forget the basic layout of that Adelaide track, you know, is nearly 25 years old. Interesting Hasn't point you raised. A lot. Well, Townsville, the Adelaide track is 25 yeah. years old. The V8 track's about 10 years old. Well, it, it, it retains the basic elements, all bar a bit of the track. But if, but if you're going for the GT circuit, there wouldn't be no turn eight. It's a straight no, that's quite, you're yeah. You're not going to yeah. have that corner. Oh, yeah. But generally so the circuit would be a lot better, and, and, and I guarantee you Townsville, and particularly Homebush, will be absolute state-of-the-art street, street tracks. Sure. Viewers, this evening, in between the chatting that's been going on there between Chris and, uh, and Mark, the man from The Age and I have been enjoying a 
Well, scrumptious, <laughs> scrumptious, scrumptious. How do you, how, how did you think? What did you think of that green chicken curry? I thought it was a cheeky little chicken curry with an absolutely wonderful bit of bite. I knew he was going to come up with all this up. Did you like it though? I loved it, mate. It was a goodie. And, 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 and age, uh, couldn't uh, get a word in edgewise, and, and he's now going to make uh, up. Well, that's because you make up the lost time. And, and, and the, the beef. Oh, look, my compliments to the chef. Do we need one more dish to finish the evening off? Well, I have one or two. Hey, you Gannett. No, that's all for you. That's all for me, is that I get two scorny bits of beef. Should we order another dish? I'm all right. What happened to my beef? To be honest, I'm all right. Would you like another dish? We can probably have one, folks. Are you still hungry? Yes, I am, because the Gannett's... Hoovered up, hoovered up all my beef. I'm a beef. growing boy. A growing boy. Well, I'm smaller than all of you, so therefore I need to grow. Well, you're short. <laughs> you're shorter. I'm not sure about smaller. <laughs> it's time to move on. Is it? You could from get the V8 uh, supercars. king prawn wrapped in mince prawn. How do you do that? Generally, that John. Generally, though, series off to an interesting start, a good start. E85 ethanol blend fuel worked without a hiccup. 100% the qualifying, the big debate about qualifying, yes. big debate. Deal with it. The news Shall we is, have this debate? No, no, no the no, news I... is it's not going to change, so deal with it. One qualifying session for both rounds, that's going to be the way until at least May, which is the next meeting of the board of directors of V8 Supercars. Nothing can change before then, and it's not. The photographers will be disappointed that there won't be as many flames blown because ethanol for the viewers does not blow flames no it doesn't people are still arguing about that I still say that it doesn't and everyone's going this but it does so my challenge at the moment is send a photo in it's a naked flame isn't it well it's not actually a naked flame it's a it's a almost naked flame it's an almost transparent flame you can night races I actually did see I actually did see today but I challenge anyone to actually take a photo of it anyway before we move on just a few interesting things. James Courtney is actually 21st in the points, 78 points. His teammate, which everyone thought he was actually going to thrash this year, Steve Johnson, is 4th in the points. <laughs> interesting. So, well, Jamie Wincup, Will Davidson, Lee Holdsworth and Stephen Johnson are the first four in the championship. And it's interesting to see where Jason uh, Richards is. And... Jason Richards, let me scroll down. Seven. And BJR in the team's championship after one round are actually third. Actually, Shane Van Gisbergen is seventh in the driver's championship. Jason Richards is actually fifth, fifth. in the driver's go. championship. And having added all the Craig points Lance up today for a panel for the newspaper, I can exclusively reveal that BJR are third in the team's championship and GRM are fourth. We must uh, start to wrap this up, and before we do so, we move on to the Formula One in Adelaide. But I'd like to bring up a name, and I'd just like some comments on that, and then we just move off in a very quick, 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 quick moment. Tim Slade. Zero point. What about him? I think he survived, didn't he? Yeah. I like him. Didn't move mountains. Got no points. We'll go forward. Scraggy haircut. Young enough to be Russell Ingalls' son. Yeah. Perfect for the team. <laughs> yeah. let's, uh, super let's cheap, wait super cheap, super cheap auto racing were disappointing. Let's they wait were talking see. up big let's about how they were going to start the series strong, and they didn't. But Tim Slade's a good young bloke. Adelaide. Moving on to Melbourne. So, we're in Melbourne now for the uh, Formula One we're Grand Prix now. opener we're for 2009. Now. Oh, we're there. And, oh, uh, of course, the thing. testing, the recent testing has shown that uh, the Braun Grand Prix, which has been taken over 
from uh, by Ross Bourne at the last minute, and you've got more from info Honda. about how that has actually happened. Perhaps you'd like to fill us in, folks. It could turn out to be an absolutely remarkable, if not inspiring, story, but the bottom line is that most people, I'm sure, would know that Honda decided to pull out of Formula One because of the global financial crisis and the... The GFU, global fuck-up. GFC, GFC, sorry. Not Geelong Football Club. The global... Fuck-up. Fuck-up, thank you. Um, And the pressure it's put on the sales of cars the world over. Can you say that? All... uh, Although I think really it's just Honda were looking for an excuse to get out because of their consistent lack of success in recent years. Um, they were going to put the, the team up for sale or close it down. Eventually, Ross Braun, the one of the great technical gurus of Formula One in the last decade. In fact, behind together. Michael Schumacher at Benetton before he went to Ferrari. He was, yes. Well, he, he was instrumental in Michael Sch- all of Michael Schumacher's seven thinker. world championships. Yes, And a steady hand. And he put together a management buyout, basically, and with obviously a consortium of uh, unknowns behind. Well, they're they're basically people who are executives already of, of, of the Honda team. You know, people like Nick Fry, who was the um, chief executive. Stuffed shirt of the deal. And um, the team is basically surviving on money that's been given to them by Honda, because Honda, in the end, realised that it was just as cheap to provide subsistence support for the team for the rest of the year than to actually completely close it down, which would have been firing something like 700 people. Yes, and the cost of it and the embarrassment. So anyway, fast forward, all this is finally worked out a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago. The car hits the track in the absolute, you know, 11th hour, the death knell tests. It's a rocket. Well, it's an it absolute rocket. In fr- may- and also in a frame well, of reference, ca- using sorry. Mercedes engines may I, that may are I, being supplied to again, the uh, McLaren team, they are beating them. Yeah. Once again, if I'm allowed to finish what I'm saying, perhaps, while testing, particularly Formula One pre-season testing is not indicative, clearly the Braun Mercedes-Benz powered car has pace. And it has pace not only in low fuel qualifying trim, but also in race stint trim. Now, Would the, reason, the reason this is is because the car, in very simply, is the car has been in development to these new, the, the very different new rule, technical rules for 2009 and Formula One has been under development since mid 2007. Because, um, and certainly at the end of 2007, when Ross Braun came on board after his, you know, had his year off sabbatical. You know, after being the big technical boss um, at Ferrari, he saw that you know 2008 was just going to be a write-off year. So let's develop for these new rules, which could suit us. And the car has benefited from that long-term development. And it's also it's a stripper. It's the ultimate stripper because the, the team has to run lean and mean. They haven't. They've junked the the Kurs system, the kinetic energy. Um, Recovery system. recovery system. So they've got absolute optimum weight distribution in the cars because Kurs compromises the weight distribution. You have to have this big lump of Kurs is of, not compulsory. Of battery, no, not this year. From next year it will be. There's this big lump of battery or flywheel or whatever. So everything's going for them. They've been very clever and it remains to be seen whether the car is fast in Melbourne. But I suspect it will be. 
I think this is going to be a fairy tale story. Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello Button particularly are very good drivers. They'll ex extract the most out of this car. And what we do know from testing is that Toyota are a lot more competitive over a range of performance factors. Uh, Renault struggled a bit but seemed to have developed late pace. Um, Ferrari have pace, have some reliability issues, but they will be there. The one team that really is genuinely struggling is McLaren Mercedes. After a very slow start, they right at the end, the last pre-season test, they picked up some pace. But even by their own admission now, they are saying they are not going to be in the same shape they were at the end of last year at the beginning of this season. Interesting thing on Braun, your analysis is, as ever, folks, perfectly uh, succinct and uh, on the money. At one point, I was fortunate enough to be one of a handful of journalists who did a telephone hookup with Bernie Eccleston last Wednesday. Uh, and, and Eccleston was bigging up Braun as well and talking about how wonderful uh, Jensen Button was doing. But he did say they have optimised the conditions under which they can run. They weren't running Kurs and uh, and they have, as Eccleston rather nomically put it, they've taken a rather different view of the existing regulations in some of the other teams. And I wouldn't be surprised if there might be the odd protest or two by Melbourne. <laughs> So but that doesn't refer just to the Braun team. Everyone's going to be fighting. There's a very space, arcane though? technical argument about rear diffusers going up the moment that will be fought out in Melbourne. Yes, and the, the regulations. Very upset about it all. Yeah, the regulations are so new and so radical, and the cars are so mother could only love them ugly. In generally, generally speaking, that there are going to be fights going on everywhere. But I am genuinely, for the first time in many years, genuinely excited for the start of the Formula One season in Melbourne because I think it's going to be loaded with unpredictability, new innovative solutions to these new technical problems. Kurs in itself, I think, may be flawed in, in its concept, but the fact that it is a, a new technology that promotes efficiency, it's basically, as I'm sure everyone knows, but if you don't, it's basically that the heat that's generated under braking you know, which is a considerable amount of energy that usually just dissipates into the air is now channeled back into recharging um, a battery or a flywheel as in the case of uh, Williams and at least one other team that stores energy and it gets to be released twice a lap with a burst of power which is about 80 kilowatts so it's like the old you know, push to pass button in champ cars you get this burst of speed and as they use in A1GP and it's up to teams to decide whether they want to use it and whether the complexity and extra weight is offset by that burst of power. But it's, you know, it is an innovation that suggests that Formula One can finally start creeping its way back to being a, valu a valuable contribution to technology in road cars. It's a, it's a big leap and it's a stretch, but at least it's a start. And in for Formula One at the moment, it's turbulent times. I mean, if we started getting into the you know, this new system of he who wins the most races is the world championship or latest bulletin is maybe because we're not sure if it's actually going to stick this year and the cost capping. We'll come back to talk about those changes to Next the, week because uh, we're no, probably no, running no, out of no, recording no, space, no, we're, are we're, we? We're running out of recording space, we're just running out of patience. But uh, we'll <laughs> come back to talk about those uh, unusual changes to the ruling after it. Tech time! It's tech time! He does that 
every episode. Well, Michael. I was going to say. He's, he's not completely out of it. Okay, mm. go. Tech time. Tech time. Uh, well, there's been some changes in the world of Apple Computer. A whole new range of products have been released. Mac Minis, iMacs, new Power Macs, Mac Pros, 2.93 Nahalem processors, 8 core. Unbelievable performance. 2.4 times greater than the last ones. But most importantly for you and I, their 3.0 operating system for the iPhone is in beta release and guess what? Cut and paste. That simple functionality that you wanted. Now you might think, why do I want that? But even more importantly, the ability to tether. Now you might say, what does tethering mean, viewers? Tethering means that if you have a phone, an iPhone like I have here in my hand, with a beautifully designed a cracked screen, Excellent. and that no one, <laughs> one else has one, one a unique kind. version thereof, has three gigabyte of monthly transfer data available to the internet. Well, just by having it nearby my laptop, I can use the Wi-Fi connection or the Bluetooth connection from here to make sure that my laptop now provide gets wireless internet access. Party, stop. 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 stop it, stop it, I'm getting a hard on already. <laughs> this is a you would never have thought that would be available without the iPhone. waving at you. I thought... I wish I could tell you what Mick Lynch is doing, but I'm sworn to secrecy. He's being picked That's up. That's the end of it. Won't see him again. Yeah, well, exactly, because the bill's coming up. Just like <laughs> there the is that. Um, uh, Planet, can you uh, just put it on the account, thanks? Oh, right. So, thanks. Card. No, just, you know, <laughs> just put it on the, you know, the regular. Thanks. Good on Thanks, man. I'll well, fix you up on the plane. So, is this new software and firmware upgrade for iPhone, is it going to make my iPhone experience better? Well, is it going to address yes, all the niggling yes, little I, annoyances? I, I think it will. Uh, I think it will for both of us. We have to wait and see. But if they're making some serious ground and changes there. Uh, what do you think? Serious Chris? ground. Copy and paste and tethering. Who would have thought? Hey. And there'll obviously be a new range of iPhones as well. I, I guess it will see a 32 gig model very soon. Yes, I, I, I don't think we're really up to uh, increased in memory. Uh, memory sizes are important. But um, look, I suppose before we wrap the show up, is there anything, uh, pre any predictions, uh, folks? Or, uh, so we're not going to talk about Any the radical change in the Formula we, One that we promised the viewers. Oh, yes, we're going to let them down again. We've already let them down once by not folks but coming that's what up here. That's what you're here to do, to remind us of our failures as, as hosts. Uh, yes, uh, uh, he who loses all wins nothing, sort of. What is it? That was the proposal that the FIA's See, sorry, World Motorsport Council... He, he we're back to F1. Sorry. I'm used to oh, it. This happened so long. So many times. Well, we've we, already we, told the viewers we are the odd couple. In a moment, we'll introduce our new guest guest. It's only the polite thing to do. We'll just say hello. Oh, no, no, she's shaking her head and wishes to be anonymous. Okay, the mystery guest. You win a prize if you ever guess who it is. The Formula One world champion at this stage is slated to be decided by the dry, to be decided by the simple fact that the driver who wins the most races in the year becomes the world champion regardless of the point score so you could conceivably have a driver who is consistent over the year has the biggest point score at the end of the season but doesn't win the championship because he hasn't won the most races now 
There are many arguments about this. I have grave reservations. But anyway, it's up for debate because the teams are now jacking up and saying, well, no, you can't introduce this on the eve of the new season. We didn't agree to this. And the FIA has now, um, at latest juncture, left it open and said, well, if the teams are all violently opposed, will delay its introduction until 2010. So it's a classic case of watch this space, but that's a, you know, it's one of two big paradigm shifts that are coming in Formula One. One, we're changing the basis of deciding the world champion, you know, after more than half a century of basing it on points. The second one is that from 2010, the FIA is uh, proposing, well, intends to introduce a uh, second class in Formula One, if you like, where if you will agree to abide by a, an, an overarching, all-encompassing cost cap of £30 million, which is about $64 million Australian dollars, that's all you can spend. And you can run your team cost-effectively and cost-efficiently with only $64 only, only $64 million. Only on paper. On paper. No, no, no. On paper, it will be rigorously what, will be, and what, scrupulously. What, will they, are they going to be doing so, like bank subpoenas? Are we going to have yes. forensic accountants? Yes, you know, running hidden traces. Well, what about the coke brown dealers? paper bags yeah. of money under here? Well, Colombian suppliers. Let's not be skeptical. It's it's the way forward oh, because sixty four million <laughs> dollars. No, but this is a huge amount of money. Million dollar question: Can you run a Formula yeah. One team for a year? But, yes or no? That's usually a weekend. <laughs> Will you accept the challenge? The quid pro quo is if you agree to run to this overall cost cap. The quid pro quo. I'll say again: If you agree to abide by this all-encompassing cost capping is that you'll be allowed certain technical freedoms which will make up for the lack of expenditure against the other teams who decide to run with unlimited budgets or have no budget restrictions and so the theory is that they will equalize it will show that a properly structured team that runs like a normal business and is subject to budget constraints can win if I will allow more teams in new teams you could have as many as you know 26 cars on the grid again, maybe even more and have pre-qualifying like we did in the old days. But the bottom line is, this is a big shift, but it could work. I think it's just radical and innovative enough to work and it should be um, promoted. And little Aussie angle, elements of the failed trek, the total racing expenditure cap that they tried to introduce into V8 supercars a couple of years ago are in fact incorporated in this whole Formula 1 concept. Okay. Just under the table tonight, a contract has been passed from myself to folks. He's actually buying Radio Hotlap and will be taking <laughs> over the deal. It'll be a very slow payment, but um, similar to the budgets he just mentioned. One question I have here though, Formula 1 race next Sunday... We're taking a box trifecta on the Victorian TAB. We're going to spend 10 bucks on a flexi trifecta. Who do we name as our five selections to run one, uh, two, and three in the, to win it. In, the, uh, in, the, in the GP Alonso next week? Alonso to win it with Baricello second. And I'm going to go for old Nick Oddfeld third. Nico Rosberg, Jano Trulli, Jensen Button. Kimi Raikkonen, Jensen Button. Yeah, no, truly. Uh, I think you'd have to have Hamilton in there. Uh, Vettel, well, well, they're not in there. Just say who's okay. first, second, third. Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, Vettel. And um, 
Vettel. Vettel? Come on, and, quick! Uh, I'm not sure. Well, well, well then, you can't write that on your betting slip. Come on, then, quick, 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 on a Come TAB. On, quick, tell me. Oh, no. I'm not well, quick now, just say a name. Mark Webber. Mark Webber, brackets retired, close brackets. Well, uh, the person who doesn't win the most, the most, the least winner by points will be having to buy a really nice teppanyaki dinner for all of us <laughs> at, at a famous, <laughs> no, at a famous... I was hotel. never here, it was a voice alike, I will deny all knowledge. But having you said that... The winner will have to buy a very, very nice wine. So there you go. That's fair. And those two in the middle are free this time. Absolutely. And so, until we meet again, on Radio you've Hot just been listening to, or you have just missed... Look, he takes over, doesn't he? <laughs> he does, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> He's outrageous. Radio, 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 <laughs> hot lab, hot lab, hot lab. Hot Thank lab. you, good night. You've He's, been a lovely he, audience. He's moving on from his career in auto action. Look, you know... Who's that bloke you work for? <laughs> Rob Margate, my boss. No, no, the real big bloke. I don't know, which one is it? Kerry Packer. Oh, uh, yeah, not so much. Not so He's much dead. Kerry anymore. Kerry's dead. Have we finished recording? Good night, no, viewers. Still Thank you, good night. You've been a lovely audience. Bye bye. Good night, viewers. <laughs> good night. Show notes will be up in about a week. Mm-hmm.